Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. Sometimes when I am invited to a church to speak, I get directions. I have a GPS, my phone and everything, and I can get there. But a few times I've been led astray and I've got in the parking lot, and I've read the sign on the church, and it was the wrong one. It's happened about two times in my life. and uh, But the question is that I want to ask you, this is Bert Harper, by the way, and Nathan Harper, our co-host. Nathan, I want to ask you, who's the sign for? That's a good question. I guess for a uh uh, a visiting p- preacher who's trying to find where to where to <laughs> preach that Sunday. It was that case, <laughs> but uh, you know, you grew up in the same church where I pastored. Did you ever have to look at the sign to make sure you were at the right place? No, I barely paid any attention to it, especially when you uh, don't have one of those signs. You know, some people have the signs that put the a changing message on it. They'll put something uh, in. Just a personal opinion. I I don't like those signs, <laughs> but anyway. Unless they have that, you don't really look at it. You don't look at it. And so I would ask you, who is the And I know it's not correct English. Let me say, for who is the sign? (laughs) Who's the sign for? I guess people that have never been there before. Exactly. Uh, If you're not missional, if you're not discipling believers, if you're not uh, a fellowship of, of godly people serving the Lord, should you take your sign down? I would say so because it's uh, false. If you if you have the word church, um, I don't know what it means to non-believers today, but what it's supposed, what it's intended to mean, you know, if you have that word church on your sign and you're not functioning as one, yeah, take that sign down. I know that's kind of crash to start a program. It's not that inviting, but I hope it's it's intriguing because sometimes we need to be intriguing and examine ourselves to see if what we're doing. The Bible says before a believer's take the Lord's Supper, he's to examine himself to see if he's in the faith. Before we put the sign up, we need to examine our church to see if we are the church that God expects us to be. Absolutely. And and so today we're going to do a little bit different. We're going to talk about the church on mission for God. And uh, I've just I, I shared three things that a New Testament church has. Now, let me say this. Everybody, I say, I want to be like the New Testament church. And when I say that, I use them. I got a little smart aleck in me. I say, which one? <laughs> Antioch or Corinth? Yeah. You know? And uh, I do want to be like a church at Antioch. I want to be like a church, uh, you know, that is like Philippi. Mm-hmm. I want to be those kind. I want to pastor that kind of church. I want to lead a church to be that way. A church that loves Jesus, that's on mission for God, that the fellowship is there. They're training them to follow Christ. Man, we need to be that kind of church, don't we? I agree. And what you're kind of referring to, and I don't want to get too deep into this and take take away the time, but, um, you know, a lot of times we start, uh, we start with ecclesiology. We start with church. And then we get maybe get to mission, missiology. And then finally, we might 
get to Christology about Jesus. Um, but I think it's reversed. I think we should start with Jesus. Amen. You know, our Christology then informs our missiology, where Jesus's people out on in the world on mission, and at, part of that mission is to establish and form and plant churches, multiply churches. So um, I think part of our problem a lot of times is we get get the order reversed. I agree with you. That is great. <clears throat> it's all about Jesus. Yeah. Uh, uh, people ask me about uh, a Christian worldview, a biblical church, and I said, look at Jesus. I mean, it uh, it is centered on him, who he is, what he did, where he is, what he's going to do, and what he taught. Yeah. And, and there's some issues that we have to deal with today that when I first started, I never thought about dealing with, about marriage, mm-hmm. um, uh, being the biblical uh, male and female. I never I never dreamed that in 1974 when I first started preaching that that would be an issue, you know? Yep. I never dreamed it would be. And so, but is there a biblical view of that? Yes, there is. Jesus said male and female as it was in the beginning, you know, Adam and Eve. So there's biblical models that help us in every generation to answer those questions that come up. But there are some things that has to do with missions, and I, I wanted to concentrate on that. And, and the first one is the church's goals or its vision. Without vision, the people perish. A church ought to have some goals. And, and, and I don't, I'm not necessarily talking about numerical goals, Nathan. Yeah. I'm not talking about, oh, we're going to reach 200 this year. Now, I'm not saying that's bad. Right. Oh, we're going to have 50 baptisms this year. I'm not saying that's bad. But that's not, we're not, not what we're concentrating on. We're talking about attitudes here. The goal of loving the Savior completely. And that's what you're talking about. Concentrate on on Christ. That's where we start, isn't it? It is. It's got to be the starting point or you, you're off track right from the beginning. And, you know, even numbers that represent people who do come to follow Jesus, again, that's not a bad thing. But if that trumps, if that's like takes precedent, then reaching that goal of numbers, reach, you know, takes precedent over loving Jesus, we're already off track. Yeah. Let me give some scripture here. Matthew 22, 37, Jesus said unto him, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Listen, we're to love Christ. That's the whole idea that he is supreme in our lives. Do you remember the church over in the Revelation that said, you have left your first love? Yeah. Um, and that was that was Ephesus, right? Yes, it was. Which was, you could say, possibly the most numerically successful church in, you know, in that New Testament era there. I believe, and they'd left their first love. And uh, listen, <laughs> uh, my wife, Jan, your mom and I, we, we go around and we haven't done as many uh, I would say conferences, marriage conferences, and family conferences after COVID as we did before. But, uh, w- you know, part of it was raising children. I heard Dr. Dobson say, and we, I wanted to practice it, the best thing you can do for your children is show them how to love their mom for a dad. Mm-hmm. And, and so we, we're to do that. We're to love Jesus, leave him supreme in everything we do. Uh, if you have small groups, love Jesus. What about the music? 
Yeah, it should be about Jesus. He's the centerpiece of it. And everything you do, every activity, now you say, how can you do that? I, I mean, you know, good and well, we loved activities in the church where I pastored, and we had basketball teams, and we'd play volleyball, and we'd do things. But yet at that same time, our coaches would take their kids apart and they'd say, listen, let's play with all your might, uh, but play as a follower of Christ. I, I coached as well uh, when I was a youth minister. And uh, those kids, they don't remember those young people that are older now. Uh, and they'll talk about my coaching. They said, I, I can't remember any of your Bible studies, but I remember you coaching and, and you praying with me and helping me and strengthening me. Yeah. Uh, put Christ first in everything yeah. you do. I mean, if you, can, if you can figure out ways of leading people to love Jesus uh, on the basketball court, you can pretty much do it anywhere. You know what I mean? <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> Even a deacon's meeting or whatever else. <laughs> Even there. Hey, you're also to love one another. As someone said, love the Savior, love the saints. The Bible makes it plain. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Uh, loving one another is, a, is one of the hallmarks of a New Testament church. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's a primary mark. I mean, in fact, that's how we know if we're really loving Jesus is are we loving the saints? Are we loving his children? Are all of them lovely? No, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I look in the mirror every day. I tell folks when I was pastoring, the most difficult member that I have to put up with, I look in the mirror at his face every morning. Yeah. And there's some truth in that, you know. But finally, we're to love others, our sinners, as, as I, to put right. the S's. I'm preaching, you can tell I yeah. preach you gotta, this. You got to alliterate, right? I got to alliterate. But love the sinners John three sixteen. I know you know this. God loved the world. Romans ten one. Paul prayed, "Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God is for Israel that they might be saved." Uh, we better love those. Uh, now we're living in a day where a, you've got to separate, and I, I I do this the best I can. I'm not saying I'm always successful. I try to separate the agenda from the person. Yeah. The agendas of this secular yeah. world is evil. Yeah, or the or the ideologies that a, a a person, an individual might have grown up swimming in this a certain ideology. You know, they're like a fish in water. They they can't tell you what the water is. They just swim in it. And we grow up with these ideologies permeating our environment. Um, and as someone that doesn't know Jesus, they haven't had anything to to really pull them out of that. So, yeah, I mean, it's you, you do separate, um, you know, that controlling idea that they operate by uh, from that person because they are held captive by that. That's what Satan uses to hold people captive and keep them lost is those ideologies that are opposed to Jesus. So, yeah, we oppose those things because they're, the, they're from the enemy. You remember the song? It's an old song now. It wasn't so old when I first heard it. He looked beyond my fault and saw my need. There's so much truth in that. We need, okay, yes, this person is speaking evil, but there's usually a need in there that's beyond measure. Let me share this. When a person comes to church, people should leave that church saying, those people really care about me. Mm -hmm. I mean, express it at the door. 
have the ushers there. They're on mission for God. Those ushers are on mission for God to receive people, to encourage them. They should leave talking about, man, those folks really love one another. Did you see how they cared for one another? Uh, This guy went down there and asked for prayer because of an issue, and people just came to him, and I saw others give that man some money. Right, you know, it wasn't personal. I just, I just happened to see his hand. It had a twenty-dollar bill in his hand when he slid it to him. And then, man, they sure do make much of Jesus. All they did was talk about and sing about Jesus. Mm. I'd say yeah. that church needs to keep their sign up. Yeah, and and they're what you just described is almost a pattern of how a lot of people, especially younger people today, come to know Jesus through the uh, gospel influence of a church. Uh, that loves well, you know, they love Jesus, they love each other, they love uh, their neighbors around them. Well, that person comes to that church looking for somewhere to belong, and if they feel loved, they'll belong. Eventually, that belonging can lead to, you know, uh, behavior, uh, can lead to uh, becoming, and it it can lead to believing. It really does. And so, Listen, churches, you're on mission for God, and you're to love Jesus, you're to love one another, and you love others. Make that a priority. You're on mission for God. Another one is not just the church's goals, but the church's guides. <laughs> the The Bible has not just told us what to do. The Bible, with the Holy Spirit guiding them, has told us what to do. Mm. Our uh, When I was at college at Blue Mountain College, Dr. James Travis was the Bible professor. He put a love in my heart for the Word of God that I hadn't gotten over yet. I mean, I I love the Word of God. But I had a psychology teacher, Dr. Lewis Sholey, and those of you that went to Blue Mountain College during my era, and you happened to be listening, you happened to talk about his 14-page test. Oh, yeah. I mean, if it was— 400-something questions. Oh, man. If if he said it or if it was in the book, the question was going to be asked— or and this is shows you know kind of we both had, we both had the same professor in the same college but it's just you know years apart. Uh, the first day he would say uh, our test would you know be from uh, the material we cover in class from your reading, but also common knowledge that you should have already obtained. <laughs> and at that mo- moment, I knew I was in trouble. I, I praise the Lord. He 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 did great on the curve. I, you hated smart people in that class. <laughs> they they had ruined the curve, wasn't it? but he yeah. took that in consideration. But Dr. Shelley would say the neat part about Jesus, nobody ever taught like him. He told folks not just what to do, but how to do it. Man, teaching and preaching like that to change yeah. people's lives. But we have a guide. It's the Word of God. Timothy makes it plain that the Word of God was sent to accomplish His will, and we're to preach it in season and out of season. The Word of God is our guide. Psalm 119, verses 105 says, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's the Word of God. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Uh, you know, Nathan, we're to preach the word in season and out of season. We're to to share the word of God. Uh, when you put on the armor of God, the offensive weapon is the word of God. Uh, really, a pastor or a teacher standing up, uh, we have no right to our opinion if it's contrary to the word of God, do we? No, absolutely not. There's we've uh, undercut our own authority to to proclaim. Uh, it might be news, but it's not good news because it's you know if it's not about Jesus as Lord and it goes against God's word, uh, then 
yeah, we have there's nothing to say and we have no reason to say it. Yeah. We've done a a a interview uh, and uh, we we talk about how the the Bible fits together and and sometimes if you can find what is called the thread uh, the first time I ever heard that was the thread of redemption. Right. That's in the Bible. The scarlet thread of exactly. redemption. Exactly. That was the scarlet thread that Rahab would lay out. Right. And it's the thread of redemption all through the Bible. But you find these threads of missions, the thread of leadership, the the thread of hope. It's all through the Bible. And when you find those, they they tend to change your lives, don't they? Yeah, you, you follow them as far as you can follow them. And they keep going more than what we usually have uh, capacity to, 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 to lay out. But, um, yeah, I mean, God is uh, guiding individuals. Like, as you read that and, and study that, you realize God is showing me something. He's speaking to me, uh, the God of the universe uh, that created these beautiful galaxies and, and stars and, um, you know, beyond our comprehension. Um, he wants to abide with and within me. Uh, this is just a little personal experience that I've had several times. I mean, when I get ready to preach or teach, I do my studying. I, I try to run, learn from commentaries, Bible dictionaries, you know, everything. But I'll be up there preaching, and then I read the Scripture, and all of a sudden God, through his power of the Holy Spirit, reveals something to me. I'm not saying it's new to the world, but it's new to me. And he he reveals it to me while I'm preaching. Now, any time is good, but while you're preaching and yeah. teaching, and all of a sudden he shows you something you had not seen because you had spent hours looking at this and preparing this before, and now he reveals it to you. There's nothing like the Word of God compounded through the power of the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus Christ. There's nothing like mm. it in all the world. Amen. And that's what you mentioned. You said the church's guides, plural. So we're talking about uh, the Word of God, the written Word of God, uh, but also the living Word of God, Jesus, um, and and how God uses that uh, in our lives to guide us, uh, to show us how to go about doing what it is He's called us to do, specifically loving, right? How to love God. I think God. you have John sixteen thirteen before you, yeah, and it specifically says that, doesn't it? Okay, yeah. So it says, uh, "Howbeit, when He, the Spirit of Truth, is come." He will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. <laughs> that He will guide you. The, the, the Holy Spirit will guide you in the Scriptures. <clears throat> How many times I've read Scripture and certain events will happen in my life, and I read that same Scripture again, and it's like the Holy Spirit illuminates something in my life to show me something about myself, about others, about the mission that God's called me on. The Holy Spirit takes the Word of God. It's a living Word, but it's compounded living when the Holy Spirit of God takes it and uses it in our lives, isn't it? Right. We, we, the Spirit empowers us to live it out, to walk it out, and to uh, uh, apply it into our lives where it changes us. Um, and it's it's by his spirit that 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 occurs. So we've talked about the church's goals is to love the Lord, uh, love one another, love others. The church's guide is, guides is the word of God through the power of the spirit of God. But then we come to the third and and again, it's the church's gifts. 
God has given to the church the opportunity to share the gift of God, which is salvation. Uh, you know, early on, I, I can watch programs like uh, Little House on the Prairie or other, uh, you know, uh, I would say programs that spent in that kind of era. The church was the central place for just so many things. It was the place of of people coming together and getting to know one another, talking to one another. But we're living in a day where you have social media, you have organizations that help people, government that has a, a hand in helping those that are less fortunate. Has it lessened the ministry of the church? Not in the church's primary function. That will never be lessened. The ministry that God has given us is to share the good news of Jesus Christ, the gift of God's salvation. If we ever leave, leave that, we've lost everything. Now, I'm not saying the, early, the church in the 1800s and early 1900s was wrong for it being the center of the community. It was glorious, and it was good. And people say, well, the church is not what it used to be. Well, it is in many ways. We're still to be the place of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, aren't we? Absolutely. You know, and, and that salvation is not any different, you know, that, that we experience, uh, that people before us have experienced. It's the same salvation that the apostles uh, have experienced. And, and it's a gift, you know, by God given to us uh, through his grace. Uh, but it's also um, a gift that flows through us to, to others. And we're to, you know, we're to make him known. We're, we're knowing him. And they were making him known to others. Uh, and they can experience that salvation as well. You know, I know it's a cliche, the gift that keeps on giving. This truly is the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. And I can't help but think of Zacchaeus. I, I know there's many at the woman at the well. All those in the book of John, I mean, it has 11 different times that Jesus has a discussion and a conversation, and John records those. I, John's amazing. Uh, his gospel's amazing. But their lives were changed mm. after coming to Christ, and that salvation has come. And uh, the Philippian jailer, salvation has come to his house today. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and your house, and they'd be saved. That is the power of the gift of God that it it seems to have a ripple effect, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely, it does. You know, what we're talking about, going back to what I mentioned before, is, is salvation is someone being rescued from that controlling ideology uh, of sin that dominates their life, and Jesus comes down, rescues them from that, and uh, they surrender to Him. We surrender to Jesus as our Lord, um, and so. We're not controlled by that ideology. We're controlled by Jesus. We're, we're surrendered and submitted to him as our Lord and master, and he's the one that guides us. He's the one that saves us and uh, gives us that new life that we can live out. So he's given us the gift of salvation by grace, you know. Through faith. Through faith. Yeah. But then he gives us grace gifts, charis gifts. These are spiritual gifts that mm. in order— and the book of Corinthians and Romans makes it plain. They're not for our enjoyment. Yeah. They're for the benefit of others. Yeah, what if, what if spiritual gifts are simply, um, is simply um, manifestation of, of that salvation gift, um, but it's activated in the community that, 
of other people who have been saved. Does that make sense? It does. It's like it's, it's the gift of salvation, but it it's seen in what we would call spiritual gifts because we're now not just by ourselves. We're we're in a community. We're in the church, uh, in this body, and it gets to activate and uh, and exercise the, that gift of salvation. So it, it's seen as what we would say is spiritual gifts, and it's the the benefit of the whole body. Yeah. And and Paul makes it plain. He said. The hand is not to say to the foot, I have no need of you. Each one of these individuals that God has saved and gifted them through the Spirit of God to working out that spiritual gifts, we we stand strong helping one another, strengthening one another. And, and the Bible makes it plain that if we think our gift is the most important gift, he, he kind of puts a, a quietest to that. He says, no, no. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, seek your own. Let God be glorified. And so the spiritual gifts that he's given, 1 Corinthians twelve eleven states it this way, but all these work that one and the self-same spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. If you've been saved, that means the spirit of God is in you. It means as the spirit of God came in you through his grace, he brought giftedness into your life. Yeah. Uh, now, again, people talk about how can I know my spiritual gift? I know there's tests you take, and, and they're good. I'm not downing them, but the best way is to just start serving. Just serve and see what God does with you. Serve in the nursery. Serve uh, the on Wednesday nights uh, in the kitchen. Uh, serve somewhere. Uh, go into a class <clears throat> and say to the teacher, "Can can what can I do for you?" and and discover your gift that way. Yes, yeah, working it out, working out that salvation that God's worked in you, and as you work it out, it's like everybody has the same. Everybody has the same muscles. You know, you and I have the same muscles. Uh, Devin, our producer, has the same muscles. Uh, but if one of us, and I don't know if any of us do this, but I know I don't. But if one of us was to work out, uh, you would see them. A little, you know, certain certain muscles would become more defined and and obvious, and so that's what spiritual gifts do. We're working those out, and we see where our strengths are. With that in mind, I just got to say this: uh, your oldest son is starting to work out, and we spent some time together on vacation, and he is going around asking me to see if I could see his abs. Yeah, and and so we work out, and we we use those right. right. And by the way, I I tell him, son. Having having a six pack of abs is not impressive. I've got one big ab. Look at this. You know. <laughs> uh, well, I told him I had two. So on each side, <laughs> okay. so that went. But we're talking about a church being missional, and we started out about the ch- the sign in the front of your church is for others. That others, but the best thing they can see, they can see the church sign with the name on it. But the best thing they can see is Christ in me the hope of glory. Amen. We want Christ to be seen in our life. Is that missional when we are living our lives, glorifying the Lord, loving our brothers and sisters in Christ and serving others? Yeah. That's, and telling them why? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's why God has, uh, why Jesus has built his church. You know, that's we're here to carry out his purpose in the world. And, uh, you know, a sign may help you uh, bring that about, but it's really what goes on inside, uh, not just inside the building, but inside our own hearts. So when you drive up to the church and you see that sign, 
say, well, uh, that's good, but what are people seeing in me? Are they seeing Christ in me, the hope of glory? We thank you for listening to Exploring Missions, and we ask that God would just bless you, call you, that you could use the gifts that God's given you as a follower of Christ to benefit the church, glorify Jesus, and bring others into the kingdom. Thank you again for listening to Exploring Missions.